You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into your Thursday edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337 706 0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber on today's show. Talking a lot of NFL football at 4.30, Gino Camarelli will join us. He is the host of Locked On Eagles. We'll get his take on the Eagles and Giants matchup. At 5.30, Lance Meadow of SiriusXM and the Giants Radio Network will join us. We'll get his thoughts on that same matchup. And then at 5 o'clock, right in the middle, our guy Brendan Ertle will join us to talk New Orleans Saints, the latest things that have gone down and a whole lot more. But we'll start there with today's top story. Bring in our producer and co-host, the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. If, if you can use the term good and afternoon together right now. Right? It was, it was going good to start off. I was having a good day, man. I really was. I got here... Finished up stuff that I needed to do before the shows, was eating some lunch, and then all of a sudden, I, boom! I woke up at a decent time. I got stuff done around the house. I went and get a good lunch. Like, I was feeling, I was having myself a day. Matt was on cloud nine. And then, Mike Triplett. And no offense to Mike, obviously. We great, love Mike. Great at his job. Mike Triplett had to ruin it. The Saints plan to retain Pete Carmichael as offensive coordinator. As you predicted. Why? 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 Now look. Here's my thing. I am never in favor of a good human being losing their job. It's not fair. But you want to know something? It's the NFL. When you don't do your job well, you will lose it. This Saints offense, we talked about it all season long, how terrible they were. All season long. Now, were there games where the offense looked better than most? Yes. But wh- where's where's the standard here? Like, were, like better better than what? You look better than trash. Like, is is that really what what you're aiming for here? I, I just it, it'll never make sense to me in my head. To watch the offense look as horrid as it was all season long. And you 
make very little changes. The key pieces are still in place. Because when when it was announced that Dennis Allen was going to keep his job, my first thought was, okay, I don't love that, but that means that P. Carmichael's gone, right? No. No. They're all staying. Everybody's staying. The only guy that got fired was Dan Rauscher, who was most recently the run game coordinator and tight ends coach. I mean, is that really a major change? Nope. Now look, I'm angry. Because when the, the thing that I've seen most on Twitter today is when you don't get results, but yet you stay the same, you change nothing. You're going to get left behind. But I told the team in there today that the, the message now is, is man, there's got to be a sense of urgency. Yeah, there does have to be a sense of urgency. You want to know why? Because you're going to suck. You're going to suck. But no, you know what's going to happen? Because everybody's sitting there on social media. Oh, well, you know, we'll just tank for Caleb Williams. No, you won't even get Caleb Williams. Because as much as I would love to have Caleb Williams as your starting quarterback, this team, I I can see it now. 2023, I can see it now. You're going to be 3-8, and laughing stock of the league. And then just like this year, the last couple games, they're just going to be a tiny little flicker. You're going to go on like a three-game win streak, win three out of your last five, finish, you know, six and 11, seven and 10 again. You're going to screw yourself out of a top 10 pick. And then the, the front office is going to sit there and go, well, you know, there, there's something to build on here. So, Dennis, why don't you come back for another year? <laughs> Are you serious? I... James, help me out. Help me out. Dude, if I could help the Saints and you, I, it, I would. Cause, cause it, <laughs> I, just, I, I can't do anything with this. It's not clicking in my head. It's just not. Like There, there were times when Pete Carmichael and the offense actually, they were making some sense and they were actually getting yards. However, they always struggled to get past 20 points. You would see it in the mid to late teens a lot. You maybe got to the 20s, but how often did you see them get to the 30s? Into 30 points. Very rarely. Very, very rarely. The one the one game that I can remember is, is the Cardinals. The Cardinals game when you were But you were in down the whole time, mode. so it's like they didn't care. Right. They didn't care. It's like as long as we're up two touchdowns, I don't care. Our guy Ross Jackson throwing out some some great statistics. The Saints will be the only team in the NFC South to not make a change at head coach. OC or DC. You're you're joking me. Again, if it's going to be Den- if Dennis Allen's going to keep his job, fine. Whatever. But you have to make a change at a fundamental position if you're 7 and 10. Because guess what? It's not it's not one of those things where oh, you were you were 12 and 5 last year and you just had a down year. 
you know, the injury bug bit you or, or you know, first year head coach got to tweak some things. No, even your last year under Sean, you were bad. So where's where's the change being made? The only t- the only other time that they scored 30 plus was in the 39-32 win over the Seahawks. And that and that was the Taysom Hill game where he he did everything. Yeah. Exactly. And you were there. I was. You were there for that. Oh, that reminds me of that burrito. Good times. <laughs> oh, that was a good time. Good times. It's one of the few good times this year. You know what word this whole thing brings me back to? Idiots. Idiots. Idiot. Idiots. Idiot. I, wh- like, what did you see from this season that warranted everyone staying on staff? The Saints might as well just you know, pour salt on the wound and sign Andy Dalton to a two-year extension. Oh, don't, no, don't don't give him any ideas. Oh, yeah, no, go, go ahead. <laughs> don't give him at, any at ideas. This, cut Will Lutz, sign Brett Maher at, at this point. I, oh. <laughs> you, you can't, I'm, I'm obviously over-exaggerating here, but I just, again, from what I saw this season, I can't comprehend keeping Pete Carmichael. And it's, it's Pete's a nice guy. I don't want to see him lose his job, but like you weren't good. Somebody's got to go. You weren't good. And you can't warrant firing a defensive coordinator because the defense was what saved you 90% of the time. So you can't really make a change there. Hell, the conversation is that either Nielsen or Richard will get hired elsewhere. Something's going to have to give in 2023. I thought something was going to give now. But clearly that's what I get for thinking. The more I think about it, they're slowly, but even more slowly than I would have wanted them to, to slowly phase out of kind of like trying to find a new regime. Correct. Kind of trying to find a new era in Saints football that would be successful because it feels like you're still trying to hold on a little too much of what you had before with Sean and Drew and what Pete was doing behind the scenes. But to me, you just need to get rid of it. I don't think you need to get rid of Mickey Loomis necessarily, but get rid of that offensive regime and just start with a new one. That's what I would do. Find somebody else that can do an off a, a different type of offense that you can work with. The Sean Payton trade, which could come in the coming days. The The trade package that the Saints get in return is going to tell you a whole lot about their future plans. Because if you're going to get... If you don't get a 2023 first-rounder, if the trade package is a 2024 first and then a 2025 second or whatever it may be, if that's the package, oh, prepare for a rebuild. They're blowing the whole thing up. Now, if there's a 2023 first and then a 2024 second, that makes you feel a little more comfortable that you know they've got some hope in the way the team is now. 
But if all the picks are for the future, they're blowing it up. Let's go to the game hotline. Martin, what's up? What's going on, my buddy, Matt? I'm angry, Martin. I'm uh, angry. Oh, I can tell, buddy. Now, another point you got to think of, too. Uh, who's to say, like, you know, with Carmichael coming out, who's to say Alvin Kamara wants to stay on the team, you know, on that offensive play with that offense after, you know, that's you know, who, that's who, always that's always the concern. You know who's I mean does he does he try and force himself like ask for a trade? You know I mean because I wouldn't want to play on an offense like that. You know I mean I, I just I'm not a you know I'm not a Saints fan, but I'm I'm scratching my head too. Like what what are they thinking? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, it it doesn't uh, make it doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah, it don't make no sense, man. I mean. Just, I, I feel for y'all, buddy. You know, but that's all I wanted to say. Like, how many plays you think are gonna gonna act out now? You know, wait, wait, on offense or what? What not? Like, no changes will be. Like, there's no. Like, they didn't even try to make the team better. You know what I'm saying? They're not trying to make the team better. You know, I'm just looking like, what if it would have been the Cowboys? You know, that you know didn't make no changes and we were in the same predicament. You know, I mean, but you know. We shall see, you yep. know. But Appreciate the call, Martin. My call, buddy. Yeah, I had, again, we, we've talked about this term multiple times this year, too. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting something to change. Well, guess what? The only thing that's going to change is the amount of people that sit inside the Superdome. Because we always talk about how the Saints fan base is one of the passionate, one of the most passionate in the league. Well, guess what? Passion works both ways. You want to piss off your fan base? They'll stop coming to the game. And then what? What happens then? I'm not saying make decisions about your franchise based on what the fan reaction is. But every once in a while, you might want to take it into consideration, maybe just a little bit. If your passionate fan base despises a coach, you might want to think about making a change. Just just throwing that out there. Tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for a special edition of the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking with McNeese head softball coach James Landrineau. Tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Take a time out when we return. We'll recap the Pelicans getting destroyed at home. And we'll also talk LSU basketball, who suffered a pretty similar fate. Right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Pelicans caught themselves napping last night inside the Smoothie King Center. Falling to the Miami Heat 124 to 98. 
in a game that the Pelicans never had control of. Ever. Not even from the not even from the jump. The the Pelicans constantly were fighting their way back into this game. They never led at any point. Miami's largest lead was 30. And in watching the game, the Pelicans just looked lost. Anytime there was a good moment from the Pelicans, the Heat answered it with two good moments. Anytime there was a bad play by the Pelicans, Miami turned it into two good plays. Everything the Pelicans did, Miami answered it and then some. And following the defeat, Pelicans head coach Willie Green met with the media in probably what was their worst game of the year, uh, really and truly. Um, He met with the media, and, and he put it very simply. We got our butts kicked. Give uh, Miami a ton of credit. They played an excellent overall game. They came in and kicked our butts on our home floor. It, all of that starts with me. I, I have to have our team prepared to play, and that's what I told our guys. We wasn't. We, we, we were not uh, ready to play tonight. And um, I get it, long road trip, first game home, all of that stuff, but we, we can't use that as an excuse. What kind of a factor, James, do you think that played in, in in last night's game, being on the road for so long and now getting back in the swing of being home? Oh, well, you kind of looking at it, you go on a five-game road trip, you all of a sudden come back and you're like, oh, boy, I can finally relax. But you got to go against a good Heat team. And then guess what? Now you're back on the road. You're back on the road. <laughs> Once again. So it's not like it's not like you can even rest or relax, even though you're not going to in a long 82-game season, but just knowing it's like, it's just constant. I don't know how much of just being on the road for five games kind of did it. It very it very easily could have played a factor. But to me, I think it's just you're slowly starting to see this team break down because you don't have three of your five best starters Correct. each and every night. Correct. You haven't had B.I. for a while now. You haven't had Zion for a long time either. And Herb Jones, he's been kind of in and out of the injury report, but he hasn't been here for a hot minute either. So the fact that you don't have three of your best playmakers on the floor, that's tough. And then you have to go against good squads. It's just not a recipe for success. They have good depth, but just having good depth by itself isn't going to be enough for you to win consistently in this league. Correct. You're, and and the, the most important thing here is that you're starting to let your grip on the Western Conference slip away. You're now down to fourth. I mean, you're tied with Sacramento, but Sacramento's got the advantage on you. You're three and seven in your last ten games. Uh, you've lost your last two. And, and you know, you, you hit the nail on the head, James. You, you talked about how they don't have Zion. They don't have B.I. Herb Jones is in and out. C.J. McCollum continues to be a good player, but I just I feel like there's something missing from his game for the Pelicans that that they're they're lacking. It's not so much consistency anymore because that was his problem down the stretch last year. He wasn't consistent, but now he's kind of cons- he, he's getting consistent, but it still feels like there's something missing. And, and you know maybe 
maybe Pelicans fans are asking for too much out of CJ. I don't know. But you're you're really starting to see how important it is to have guys like Zion and B.I. healthy and, and on the floor for you each and every night. I was going to say, in his, in his time in Portland, it's not like they were consistently making deep playoff runs themselves. And right. that was with having someone like Damian Lillard on their team and other offensive weapons and bench players that could, that could come off and make an impact. I mean, even with those teams, it's not like they made it very far either. So to have a bunch of pieces that are really good, but a lot of the time they're either not on the floor or let's say you get into the playoffs. Most of them haven't had that experience of making those playoff runs where you really need them because it's like the farther you go, it's like having experience matters. Yep. Yeah, and they don't they don't really have a guy that has been there done that. Yeah, they got a lot of good does. they got a lot of good pieces. But not not having someone that's made conference finals or finals themselves until you can just kind of make I guess one of those lucky playoff runs, almost kind of like the Celtics where it's like last time that they had made it was 20 18 but before yeah. that it's like they were struggling for years to get past the second round you need to you need to try and find somebody that has that experience of getting there getting to the finals getting to the conference finals that way they know what it takes to win and that can help a young team develop more i never thought i'd see the day that at the halfway point of the season sacramento was leading the pacific division <laughs> it's crazy how times work huh nuts had heard, hadn't heard a lot of relevance from the Kings in a while. Long time. Absolutely nuts. Take a time out when we return. Gino Camarilli will join us to talk Philadelphia Eagles as they prepare to take on the Giants right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You know you like us. Then it's time for you to show us how much you like being in a relationship with the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Go give us a like on our revamped Facebook page and follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. I can love you like that. That way you can get the latest interviews, breaking news, and whatever shenanigans we're up to. Just search The Game Louisiana and be hooked up with Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Four thirty-one here on your Thursday. Welcome back to Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The top seed in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles, preparing to take on Danny Dimes and the New York Giants in Lincoln Financial Field Saturday night. Gino Camarelli joins us, the host of Locked On Eagles. He joins us via Zoom this afternoon. Gino, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm just preparing for. What is going to be, I would expect, one of the toughest games of the season for the Eagles. An NFC East divisional matchup in the divisional round. It kind of just writes itself, and you're welcome, NFL, because these ratings from Saturday night are going to be fantastic on top of the Dallas and San Francisco game as well. The NFC East should do pretty well when it comes to the viewers. Gino, but before we get deep into this interview, I just I got to tell you, the uh, the backdrop, the setup is fantastic, my man. I appreciate it. I'm actually in the midst of moving some stuff upstairs. Got a new office going on, but it's just a collection of my 20 plus years of Eagles fandom. You throw, uh, I got my Oregon Duck back there. A couple different things. I have Turbo Man from from Jingle All the Way, one of the greatest movies of all time. But yeah, it's I'm an Eagles fan till I die. This one, 
It's home. My grandfather is a Giants fan, and he called me immediately after that game and said, I'll be ready Saturday night. So this one hits a little close to home. Love that. I love that. And, uh, you know, you talked about being an Eagles fan till you die. James and I are Saints fans till we die, but we're not happy with the Saints today. My best friend is a Saints fan. I, I totally understand it. And I wouldn't be happy with the Saints either because you don't have a first-round pick in the team that is potentially going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl is going to have the Saints pick at 10. I'm sorry it's a sore subject, but, hey, Mickey Loomis, I appreciate yeah. that little early Christmas gift they got last year. Yeah, y'all y'all definitely got helped out by the Saints. I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a top-10 oh, pick. Yeah. I mean, would you, it, it, it's a good time to be an Eagles fan. It is, and when you look back, I, I began my Eagles fandom in those years when Donovan McNabb came in, and the expectation was you get to an NFC championship game and you hopefully win a Super Bowl, and then for the last 15 years or so, it's just been an up-and-down roller coaster, and this time around, it, it really does feel like there is sustainability after all this is said and done, because Howie Roseman coming into this year and coming into the last two drafts, he wanted to set this team up with optionality, not just for the now, but for the long term. Because if you look at 2017, everyone expected Carson Wentz to lead this new generation of the Eagles. And come to find out, he never turned out to be the same player he was. There were a lot of guys that were towards the end of their careers. You look at Jay Ajayi, didn't have much in that knee. You look at Torrey Smith, is out of the NFL just a few years later. Same with Alshon Jeffrey. So that run, it wasn't as sustainable. You look at this time around, your signal caller is 24 years old. You bring in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who are both under 25. Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders are in that category as well. You bring in my favorite safety in that entire draft in Chauncey. Gardner-Johnson to replace Malcolm Jenkins, who left a big hole after he went back to back to the Saints. And we were trying to figure out who's going to man that back half with Darius Slay, with James Bradbury, and all those young pieces they have up front. It does finally feel like they have a semblance of something that isn't just going to be lightning in a bottle, but something they could carry forward, not just into 2023, but beyond that for hopefully five years would be the window I would expect. You know, you just spent a good bit of time talking about the defense with with guys like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Darius Slay, and a handful of others. But, man, when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the offense jumps off the page. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Kenneth Gainwell even, having having flashes of brilliance as, as a backup running back. I mean, weapons all over the field for for this offense – just kind of talk about the, the season that the offense has had and you know ways you think they can exploit the Giants this weekend. Well, this is one thing that we had wanted to see coming into this year because Lou and I, we've been covering the Eagles on Lockdown Eagles now for four years. We started right after that Super Bowl year. And one of the things that that Super Bowl team did so well was their ability to score 30-plus points on command. And that's, the, that's something that this Eagles team has turned around. They were only able to hit that mark twice – all of 2021, this offense has hit 30-plus points, I believe, seven or eight times now on the season. So if they continue to do that and continue to play the best offensive football that they can, I expect them to be in a game with anybody. And I saw an interesting quote today on Twitter because old paradigm was defense wins championships. And this quote today said, it's about having the best offense and not about having the worst defense, which I thought was very interesting because if you have the best offense and a manageable defense, which 
this Eagles defense in situations, they've let some bad teams hang around, and Jonathan Gannon has had some question marks around him. But that offense, they've kept you in, I would say, 85 to 90% of these football games. And the formula is there. The Eagles, they kind of just copied and pasted what a lot of these franchises have done over the last couple of years who have invested in a high pick at quarterback. The rookie quarterback contract is the best friend to any general manager in football. Look at what the Bills were able to do with Josh Allen. Look at what Patrick Mahomes was able to have around him for a majority of those years on that rookie deal. So you follow in the footsteps of those teams, which put a great offensive line in front of a young rookie signal caller and put all of these weapons Heck, if you want to add another weapon, it's like adding a bullpen pitcher this late into a season that you can never have enough of these guys. It's like edge rushers as well. If you have six, seven, eight of these guys, you're going to have a better chance than being a team like Minnesota, let's say, who if you shut down Justin Jefferson, you have a pretty good chance to win that football game, as we saw the New York Giants were able to do last week. You know, talk about the job that Nick Sirianni has been able to do as head coach of the Eagles, you know, you talked about taking a rookie signal caller and turning him in to to the Jalen Hurts we see today. He, he's done a lot of good with this offense and even the defense as well. So just what are your thoughts on your head coach? Nick Sirianni is a great combination of the past two regimes. Where you look at Doug Peterson, he was the ultimate people person. And you see that going on down in Jacksonville right now, where he was able to turn around that tumultuous situation and now have the Jags playing for a chance to go to an AFC championship, which would be for the first time since 2017. It's just funny how things come full circle. But if you look at what Nick Sirianni has been able to do in terms of X's and O's, it's very similar to what Chip was able to do, where you had these high-flying offenses that were able to put up 30-plus points a game. And the one thing that Nick Sirianni, I believe, does best, especially in this year, is his delegation. He took a step back from play calling last year. He gave that to Shane Steichen. This year, Shane Steichen had full autonomy as the play caller. Nick Sirianni was able to step back and take that 30,000-foot view and just let everybody do what they do well. And Nick Sirianni, it might be his best asset, but he doesn't do a lot with these players. And it, it might sound ridiculous what I'm saying, but he doesn't micromanage. He's not in there like Chip Kelly was every day. Oh, did you drink your smoothie? Oh, did you make sure you did this workout? And did you make sure you got up and got good sleep? Well, he's a, he's a people person, but at the same time, he's a brilliant X's and O's guys. He won multiple national championships at D3 Mount Union. He's been with some of the best offensive minds in football. He was on the staff with Andy Reid back in Kansas City. He's been on staffs with Frank Reich, and now he's here in Philadelphia, and he is allowing Jalen Hurts, who is really the heartbeat of this offense, to do what he does best. And the cliche, rising tide lift all boats, that's exactly what Jalen Hurts is doing right now. Chad with Gino Camarelli of Locked On Eagles. You know, looking at the Giants and the job they've been able to do with Daniel Jones and, and Saquon Barkley under first-year head coach Brian Dable. Talk about this matchup. You know, what do the Giants do well that make you, that makes you a little nervous? And then again, where do you see Philly having an, having an advantage? So this is a, a little interesting wrinkle to this matchup that Brian Dable and Nick Sirianni went to high school 60 minutes from each other in Western New York, where both me and my co-host Lou are from. So this has a lot of people at Buffalo's attention. And I think that both of these guys are going to bring the NFC East to heights that we've never seen before. This is the best division 
in a long time in football. The first time that three teams have ever represented four or three out of the four teams rather on divisional weekend since the restructure back in 2002. So Brian Dable, he is taking a team that is hot. They just beat Minnesota. They beat a team that a lot of people were expecting to win close games as they had been 11 and 0 in one score matchups up until that point. But Brian Dable, he did it in Buffalo. He gets the best out of his quarterback. And my biggest fear is that you get a follow-up of what Daniel Jones did last week. He has another great game. Saquon Barkley gets into a rhythm, and the Eagles are able to contain him like they did in that first matchup before the Giants set their starters in that second matchup. This will be the first time we see a lot of those pieces that we hadn't seen in nearly two months now. I would say the biggest matchup is the Eagles' offensive line against the defensive line of the New York Giants. Because if you look at what Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon Thibodeau have done the past month, and especially what they did against Minnesota, they destroyed that game plan. Minnesota, it's very play-action-based, a lot of timing, and they just destroyed anything that offensive line could do when it came to timing. Lane Johnson, the right tackle who hasn't allowed a sack in nearly two years for the Philadelphia Eagles, is playing on a torn adductor. That's a torn groin. I don't know if anybody's ever done the adductor workout at the gym, but that doesn't feel good when you just do it at the gym. I couldn't imagine tearing that and having to go against Kayvon Thibodeau because if he gets into a rhythm, being an Oregon guy, you see the duck behind me, Kayvon Thibodeau can blow up a game. So if that front hits home, Jalen Hurts just gets into that pressing mode where we've seen him before and they get off to a couple three and outs the start and the Giants possess the ball and let's say they hold it for 12 of the 15 minutes in the first quarter and follow what teams that have beat the Eagles this season have done come halftime if the Eagles are down and that's what's going on I don't expect them to turn it around in the second half but until this team proves me wrong until this offense has a showing where I'm just saying what is going on here and I don't see the offensive play callers and the play design putting them in a good position to succeed I expect Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, quarterback coach Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts, and everybody in that offensive meeting room to have one of the best game plans that we will see all year from this Eagles offense. It comes down to how many points you score in this sport. Yes, defense is all great, but if you outscore the other team, it doesn't really matter how many points the other team scores. Shut down Saquon, make sure Daniel Jones doesn't get into a rhythm, and make sure this offense remains hot. That would be the biggest three keys for me. As we start to wrap up, Gino, could Jalen Hurts' health be a factor here? Because I know he's off the injury report, but you know, we, we you always hear the cliche, nobody's 100% this time of year. He really can't be at 100%. Where's his health standing right now? And you know, how much of an X factor do you think that could be? So most medical experts say that this is a six-week injury, and this week was the sixth week since he had been injured. So he's going to be as close to 100% as you could be 20 weeks into a football season. Like you said, everybody is banged up. Everybody has an injury. My biggest thing would be if they limit what he can do in that RPO, in that read type of game. Because when you see him sit in the pocket, he does excellent things. But a big reason he excels in the pocket is because he has the threat of being able to escape. So if you don't threaten the Giants and you don't test them on the edge and you have this quote-unquote Gardner Minshew type of game plan where you just keep them in the pocket and hope to just throw down the throats of the New York Giants, we've seen that exact game plan struggle 
to take hold for the Philadelphia Eagles. They have to establish the run both through Miles Sanders and through Jalen Hurts. Just let Jalen be Jalen. He's been this far into a season in some big-time games for big-time programs. He's been in a national championship. He's been in SEC championships. You know he's not going to complain about the injuries. He is going to put through and not let anybody see that he is injured. It could come into play, but I ultimately believe this guy is just a gamer and somebody that we haven't seen be a leader in Philadelphia in nearly 20 years since the early years at Donovan McNabb. Gino Camarelli joining us from Locked On Eagles. Eagles, Gino, appreciate you as always, my man. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and hopefully we can uh, we can talk to you again down the line. Yeah, appreciate it. Check us out at Locked On Eagles wherever you get your podcast. You can check me out on Twitter at GC twenty four underscore football, and I appreciate that, Matt. Best of luck to the Saints next season. I'll be uh, expecting a turnaround here in the NFC South. Uh, I'm glad you're expecting that because we're not. <laughs> Appreciate you, Gino. I appreciate it. Thank you. And there he goes, Gino Camarelli of Locked On Eagles. I'm just, I'm just so upset. I'm, I'm just so angry at the decisions made today. It just play it, play it. I know you want to. Please, idiot. There it is. There it is. Why? Why you have to be mad? Why you have to be mad? It's only game. It's only game. It's only football. <laughs> New Orleans Saints. What happened? Why? Why you keeping Pete Carmichael? You used to be a contender. Now you suck. Accurate. Very accurate. But you know what doesn't suck, James? What doesn't suck? The Game Rewards Club. Oh, dude. Now that's a winner. It's always a winner. Each and every time. You want to know why? Because we can help you take your lady out for Valentine's Day with a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. Take a timeout. Wrap up hour number one after this here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The Saints may not be heating up, but let me tell you what is. The NFL Playoffs. Because with FanDuel, every play is a rush. New customers can join today, and you can bet the divisional round with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code KLWB. With $150, you know what I would take, Matt? I'm going to take a Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. America's number one sportsbook has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, with FanDuel, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with that same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit card. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to crunch time right now. Got a few minutes left in the first hour. Do want to tell you that Brennan Ertle coming back. It's not going to be a hoot at Wednesday, but we want to get him to talk about Pete Carmichael. That, that's going to be at the top of the 5 o'clock hour in about 10 minutes. But let me tell you, that's also our poll question. What's your reaction to seeing Pete Carmichael remain as the offensive coordinator for the black and gold? Pain. Are you excited? Pain. You're not sure how to feel? Pain. Or are you just absolutely infuriated? Pain. I feel pain. Looking at the poll results so far, heavily leans toward people are infuriated over 70%, 72% to be Shocker. exact. Not at all. Not sure how to feel? It's about 19%. And then the final 9% goes to people are excited he's back. I don't know what those 9% of people are talking about, but to each their own. John Paul must remember that he has had Drew Brees up until last year. Drew also requested that Pete come from San Diego with him. He has also been under the toolage of Sean Payton. This was the first year with the Reigns and had running back and wide receiver issues the entire season. Oh, come which on. Is, you, you don't believe that. It, it, it's a fair point to make. Under him this year, we've had possible rookie of the year and undefeated, un, undefeated free agent that exploded in the second half of the season. Yes, could have used Taysom Hill better, but the team's woes were not all under his fault. Not excited about what dessert, but he deserves a second year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Steve got quite a few comments. Salty Steve. Salty Steve. In this world of instant gratification, the entire coaching staff should have been dismissed. Oh, man. You never pull a quick trigger and will pay the price for her decision. That is Ms. Gail Benson. Uh, this team is about to get into a dumpster fire and can't wait for the fallout next season. I'm buying stock and paper bags. Yeah. Bork. As, as you should. Bork said, long history of having a personnel-friendly front office bites us again. We let another walk all over us, and we don't know how to say no. The nice guys never win. DA is scared. Shout out to my guy Bork finally chiming in on something. Oh, big Bork. And then Rob on Facebook. He said, D.A. has lost his damn mind. Uh, yeah. Or, or, I'm sorry, Mickey Loomis has lost his damn mind. Yeah, him too. Uh, Seth says, trying to give this organization organization the benefit of the doubt, but still find myself very worked up. Should have made a change. And Mike says, kind of hard to judge Carmichael with the QBs and injuries the Saints had on offense. What I'd be more worried about is the strength and conditioning coaches that are on staff. Way too many injuries the last two years. They had a first-year strength and conditioning coach this year. So, I mean, that's... You you can't blame the injuries of, of 2021 on the 2022 strength and conditioning staff. And, yeah, there was a lot of injuries this year, but if I, if I looked at the numbers, James, I would venture to say that there were slightly less injuries this year than there were in 2021. Yeah, you didn't set a record again. So slight improvement. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess there's a bright spot to it. There's a silver lining going, going in the right direction. Uh, but no, I, again, kind of to, to put a bow on my thoughts from earlier. 
you just uh, in in we, we we bring it up we've brought it up multiple times with the Saints this year. Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting it to change. And it's not going to change. Because these these coaches are, are so stuck in their ways, they're they're not going to adapt to what they have. Instead, they're going to try to find players that fit their system. But when players that fit their system aren't available, then you're screwed. And guess what the Saints are? Go ahead, go ahead, James. Take 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 a guess. What are, what are the Saints? They're screwed. They're screwed. Because you have Andy Dalton and James Winston as your quarterback when neither one of them truly fit what the Saints want to do offensively. James would have more likely not fit with Sean, but then Correct. Sean left. So it ever since then it's just been, it's Winston, been a dumpster fire. Jameis Winston would have been the perfect next in line quarterback for Sean Pitt. And, and you saw it last year. You the saw Saints you, were five and two before you, he went down. You saw a nice prove, improvement each game as you went along. It's yep. just by the time you got to the seventh game, tore his ACL. Yep. So it's like you didn't you didn't necessarily get enough. And he's played in three games since then. Three. And he was injured in all of them. All of them. Love that. Absolutely love that. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off with more painful conversation. As Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles will join us and we'll share our feelings on this bittersweet day. Right here on The Game, it's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In our number one, we talked a little bit about the Pelicans, and then we talked about a whole lot about how the New Orleans Saints are a bunch of idiots. I'm, I'm, I kid, of course. but Idiot! Not, maybe. I don't know. I, I just, I, I can't. I, I said this in our number one, and I'm going to say it again. I can't wrap my head around this decision. Somebody, maybe, maybe Brendan Ertle can 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 make it make sense. I, I just Brendan, help me out. Um, I, I'm sorry, but I don't think I can make it make sense. But um, I mean, you asked me this morning uh, to come on the show, and I, and I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, and of course, we're going to be talking about Pete Carmichael today. And in that moment, I have I had a lot of different words I'm going to say now, but um, I don't. First off, I don't like the move. I, I think it's a very, very, very safe move. Um, I think they're kind of scared to take a risk right now. Uh, it feels like Dennis Allen hire. It just felt like the right thing to do. And, you know, you don't want to take a risk at any other position. And I'll be the first one to admit, you know, I was shocked by this. And I, 
I don't usually pre-write articles, um, but I had this one pre-writ, pre-wrote, and I had to delete it, and I was shocked by that. And, you know, there's no person in the media closer to the team than Nick Underhill, and he was shocked as well. So this kind of came as a surprise to all of us that he's staying. Um, but at the end of the day, is it really a surprise? He's been here for 15 years. The offense was a running offense that could do anything but run the ball. And, yeah, you can blame Pete, and he's probably um, on the chopping block this year, but I can't make it make sense at all, no. You know, when when talking about the the decision-making, obviously, you know, I'm going to tell you that I I love the fact that you had the Saints fire Pete Cartmichael article already written. (laughs) Like, you you had it ready to go. Um, and it, it, this decision to keep him came so far out of left field because Brendan from like week 10, it was, Oh, Carmichael's gone at the end of the season. There's, there's no way, there's no way they keep him. Yeah. Yeah. I I really did feel like that. And it felt like, uh, of course down that final four or five stretch of games that it felt like as a team, they kind of figured out how to play with each other a little bit better. And, um, I feel like they were on a little bit of a run, but the offense was still just an actual roller coaster. I mean, the Philadelphia game was probably the one I'm circling and, and being like, they should have won that game 25 to nothing or 30 to nothing because the way they were playing on offense was was great. And then they stalled, it threw a pick, and didn't score again. Um, the Carolina game was... I was one. I mean, I witnessed it first, firsthand, and that was it. Was horrible. It it was horrible. And um, I know last year they took a hard look at offensive coordinators, and we we talked about it before. Pete um, didn't necessarily want the offensive coordinator job, which was a concern to me to begin with. And they interviewed some guys, and um, not, they didn't like any of them, or I don't know what the situation was there. I know they liked Liam Cohen a little bit. I don't know what happened with that. But the only reason I'll be like, okay, I'm fine with it, and we'll we'll never know this answer, but obviously Mickey and them, all the coaches, they sat down. I'm sure Mickey sat down with Dennis alone, and we're like, okay, is is, is there someone out there that you like that you want to be the offensive coordinator? And, you know, there's some names we could point out there, and here and there, but if there's not a direct guy that they wanted for sure, and if they were just going to fire Pete to fire him, I mean, I mean, he probably deserves a little bit, but um, I'm just trying to make sense of what the Saints usually do here because they always, you know, talk about stability and continuity and things like that. And um, I always go back to what we talked about weeks ago, and it was the quote when Dennis Allen said, if you keep doing the same thing, it's the definition of insanity. And that's kind of what we're doing. And, um, if, if you're gonna run it back with Pete, that's the decision they made. Um, stuff's got to change. You got to get him some help. This isn't Sean Payton calling plays. This isn't Sean Payton writing plays. Get him, get him guard that will play at least 80 percent of the year. Get him a hard nosed runner. If he wants to run the ball on second down, get him a hard nosed runner. Um, get him, a, get him a contested catch catcher. It it blows my mind that Michael Thomas led this team in catches, um, and he played what three games two and a half, so they need to go out and get guys that will for sure help this team, for sure be in the field and produce because now you have Pete Carmichael in year, what, 15 or 16, 
Uh, we know what he can do. We know what he can't do. You need players out there who are going to produce. And, you know, we had a mix-max offensive line and banged up players, so you just can't run that back. You know, I, I get the, the running back concept because, you know, in two years you lost both Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I, I get you trying to keep it, you know, as familiar as possible. But, Brendan, when things don't work, mm-hmm. you got to change it. Yeah, I 100% I 100% agree with you. Uh, I thought there should have – I mean, there's someone out there. There's got to be a someone out there who's a bright offensive mind that would love to come coach for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, uh, that's just not a risk they w- were willing to take, and that's why I said it, it was a too safe of a move. They don't want to play their card like that right now. Um, a lot of people were joking about tanking this season, and uh, it's nothing but a joke, but it, it does feel like that. You, it didn't work. Uh, we got a huge sample size of, of Pete with Andy, uh, what, with what he does with Kamara, um, how he doesn't use Taysom in certain situations. Uh, we saw a huge sample size of, of a little bit of good and a lot of bad. So I, I really don't agree with it. Um, but I think at this point you have to bring in somebody, whether, you know, we talked about on the uh, over text a little bit, not saying Joe Brady, but someone like that. You had a bright offensive line that came in and he was a passing game coordinator or assistant, you know, quarterback coach, just someone. And I think Ronald Curry, um, he got announced as the, I think the senior bowl offense coordinator. Um, but when, when they first announced that, I was like, oh, maybe that's a sign that they're going to promote him. And it wasn't the case, but even just get someone that has a bigger role in the offense, you know, uh, you know, I interviewed Brian Leftwich uh, last year. Uh, bring him in. He just got fired and let him be an assistant to some someone. Let him do something. They just need someone new in there. They just need new ideas. They need uh, better scheme or better players. I have thrown Joe Brady's name around for months now, and every time I do, people look at me like I'm crazy. Can't get much worse. Brennan, you got that. Yeah, I mean, might, might as well hire you to be the offensive coordinator at this point. I you're, mean, you're a good you know, OC old man, Madden, right? I, I I got a decent playbook in Madden. <laughs> hey, I, I know, I know, I can run screens with Kamara. I do, I do know how to do that. Here's here's the thing. Here, here's the only play you need: run four verts, and when when Jawan Johnson on, on that slot route makes his little cut, hit him over the middle for thirty yards every time. Or just or just chuck it to Olave and. Or, uh, or pray for the best. Run, run a fly sleep with Shahid. I feel like that it, works throw it, pretty throw, often. Lob it up to a lave and then spam the aggressive button. <laughs> make make some wild one handed catch every single time. But no, in, in all seriousness, you know the these moves, these series of moves, keeping Dennis Allen obviously, and then today retaining Pete Carmichael, it, it kind of goes to show you that the front office still has major belief in this coaching staff, which means the results of 2022 in their mind are on the players and injuries. I, 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 and I respect that. I respect that um, they feel that way, and it has worked in the past. We haven't seen it a ton with just Pete. I mean, he's had help here and there. Um, I think it really is going to make or break this offseason about what happens in the coming week or so with Sean Payton. I mean, those rumors are starting to heat up a little bit. And if I had to put, you know, a team 
on Sean right now. I think it'd be Denver, and you get you get those picks, and that really can change your outlook on on the future of this team. And I think that's just kind of what this team needs. I mean, it's the oldest overall roster in terms of average in the NFL. They need some youth. Um, they need to shed some cap, and I think that they will do that. But they had too many injuries this year, and I'm not making excuses for any for anyone on, on the team. But too many injuries. They were too old, and there wasn't much um, that they could rely on. Honestly, from week to week, it was it was different, and that that's not good. It's not. I mean, we talked about it, stability. There wasn't any stability on the team. Um, your stability and Michael Thomas was on the sideline. We probably won't see him. Um, they can't just run it back with the receivers they have. They got to go add someone. Uh, you got to bring back Juwan. Um, you got to bring in some other guys. You got to probably get rid of Pete. I mean, that's my top of my list this offseason. You can't have players on this roster now uh, who, who don't play, who are not available most of the time. Um, it worked in the past, and you could get away with it in the past with the depth you had in the team and the roster, but not anymore. You need to get younger, get cheaper, and I think that they can do that. And, you know, if they have belief in Pete that he can keep doing it, then then good for them. Mickey knows a lot more than I do, and I respect their decision. So um, this Sean Payton, Sean Payton deal, I'm, I'm just saying that they better get a load of picks for him. Well, here's the thing. I said it earlier on the show, you know, the package that you get in return for Sean Payton will tell you a lot about the future plans of this organization. Mm-hmm. Because if the picks are you know twenty twenty four twenty twenty five, oh dude they're blowing it up. Yeah, I, I mean I could see it. And um, what Mickey said in his, in his press conference a couple weeks ago, he was saying we well, want to get to the mid of the cap. And I was like, well, what does the mid mean? I mean, that was a very weird way of saying they want to get back down. And I mean, I could probably expect that they probably don't retain Davenport. They probably don't retain Onyemata. If it's at their number, it'll probably get done, but those guys will probably price out of New Orleans. Um, but they'll still have probably a splash shining here and there. They always do. Um, but all I ask is don't do anything too risky. And it, it really is, like you said, the, the 2024 picks. I, I would almost take those over this year. And I know they could use them more this year, um, but I think next year, if it doesn't work out, if uh, the coming season doesn't work out, you have the ammunition to move up in the draft. You have more picks. And if you're picking high, um, you're probably getting a quarterback. And if, and if you're, you're in the middle of the pack, you have the ammunition to, to move up. So I, I know the latest reports are the Saints were asking for multiple firsts. I don't know if they'll necessarily get that or not. Um, Carolina, I think, could be a real contender for Sean. And if he is, you'd get even more picks. So if your team get more picks, that'd be Carolina. Uh, if your team gets Sean out of the conference, it's it's Denver or Houston. Uh, regardless, I think they're in a decent position w- with that being said. I, I think he's kind of their main chip right now is how much can we get for him. And I think Mickey really, really needs to hit on this and then nail this draft. Omar Spates coming from Oregon State to LSU. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so, can't say a ton about him. You know, I got, I'm around him too often, but huge huge fan of him and i know as a you know louisiana guy um especially louisiana just natives you see someone transferring from oregon state to louisiana you're not really 
jumping up and down and saying like, "Oh, we just got a star," but you did. You got you got a you got a Demario Davis. I mean, he's going to be an alpha dog. That's what he is. Uh, he's an every down linebacker. He's a future NFL player. He's phenomenal in every facet of the game. And all I say is just watch him play, and you'll it'll put a smile on your face. He's a very very yeah. good player. The kid's next level, no question about it. Brendan Ertle joining us from Canal Street Chronicles. Brendan, appreciate you as always, bud. Hopefully we uh, we, we feel a little bit better about Pete Carmichael soon. Yep, hopefully next time we speak, uh, we got some better news. Appreciate you, bud. And there he goes, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Let's be honest, we tend to have a lot of fun here at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, which is a Delta Media station. If you feel like you need a career change and you have any type of sales experience, then Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director John at Cochran at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com or by calling 896 1600. Take a time out. When we return, we'll talk college basketball. Got a lot of it to get to today, including the McNeese women leading Nichols by three with two minutes left to go in the first quarter. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You know the routine eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day. Every day, you're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Do want to tell you that you can always bet the NFL playoffs with FanDuel, where every play is a rush. This weekend, FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay during the divisional round. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your NFL playoff same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays let you combine all your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'm going to take Pat Mahomes to throw at least two touchdown passes, the Chiefs money line, and then a Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. You can even ride with thousands of others and bet popular same-game parlays already made for you. If you're new to FanDuel, join now with promo code KLWB to see for yourself why it's America's number one sportsbook. And if you already have FanDuel, you can start building a no-sweat same-game parlay today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg minimum $1 bet is required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max refund is $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. At the end of the first quarter, McNeese leads Nichols 20-15. to with Autumn Watts leading the way for the Cowgirls with five points, while Lexi Alexander leads the Colonels with eight. Uh, McNeese shooting very well from, from the floor early on, uh, once again leading by five, 20-15 at the end of the first quarter. After that game, John Aiken will put his Cowboys on the floor at 5-13 and 13 against Austin Clunch and the 8-9 and nine Nichols Colonels. Clunch and Aiken have a similar or excuse me have a previous relationship having spent time on the same coaching staff just a couple of years ago so they meet again they'll play twice this weekend tonight and then again on Saturday meanwhile for the Cajuns the men are on the road looking for their fifth straight conference win in Jonesboro Arkansas they take on Arkansas State tonight at seven o'clock and the women will be inside the Cajun Dome starting at six 
to take on Old Dominion. Gary Broadhead's team sitting at nine and nine on the season, really looking to to you know keep the winning going. They didn't win their last game. They fell short in overtime to the previous conference champion in Troy, but just kind of looking to keep some momentum on their side as, as they head through a, a pretty difficult stretch of their schedule down the back stretch. Uh, Old Dominion coming in at 12-7, and seven, winning their last four, including an overtime win at Georgia Southern. Looking at some more top stories in sports, the Miami Dolphins have fired their defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, after three seasons. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are confident that they can reach a deal with Lamar. That's interesting. Um, if you're if you're confident that you could hit a deal with Lamar, then why is it taking you so long to hit said deal with Lamar? Uh, and then going back to the Saints, here's some good news for the Saints. Not really for the Saints, but good news for Camp Jordan. Uh, he has won his appeal for his fake injury suit. Cam Jordan doesn't really seem like the type to be faking an injury to me. But, you know, I, I could be I could be wrong, I guess. But he did win, so he does not have to pay the $50,000 fine now. Uh, so a little extra money in his back pocket. And then the Buccaneers have fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Uh, he, you know, James, he he would have been nice as offensive coordinator instead of Pete Carmichael. That that would have been a, a smart move, right? Right? I mean, the the man worked under Tom Brady. Maybe maybe you could get Tom Brady to come to New Orleans. I don't. I'm just saying. Uh, look one more time at the poll question of the day in this segment. What are your thoughts on Pete Carmichael? Retained as offensive coordinator, looking at the results, 75% say that I'm infuriated. 17.5% say they're not sure how to feel. And 7% say that he's they're excited that he's back. Got a comment from Hoodat Forever. This is an unserious football team. Um, Man, this seems so unserious. Inaccurate. They're very serious, and that's the problem. That 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 is that is the issue. You would you would you would think that this is laughable, but it's not, because they're dead serious. Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael will walk the sidelines yet again for the black and gold. Which I was fine with one of them staying, but not both. If you were going to pick one, the other had to go. You picked Allen, so we thought Carmichael would go, but boy were we wrong. Anyways, we'll take a timeout here. When we return, Lance Meadow of SiriusXM and the Giants Radio Network will join us. He will preview the Giants' perspective of that Giants-Eagles matchup on Saturday night at Lincoln Financial. And so much more coming your way right here on Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back into Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. You know, when you get to this time of year, it's a it's a bittersweet feeling when, when you look at the NFL because you get deep into the playoffs and, and you know that it's going to be the best matchups of the season. But at the same time, you also know that it's almost over. So it is a it is a very bittersweet moment in the world of the NFL. But one game that we're really looking at on Saturday night as being one where the favorite could be on upset alert is the Philadelphia Eagles against the New York Giants. You look at the Giants, man, ever since Brian Dable took over this year, he has unlocked the full potential of Daniel Jones, and they have just been incredibly fun to watch. They started off hot, went through a skid, and then finished off strong yet again. And uh, looking forward to chatting with Lance Meadow, who is a Sirius XM host, and he is also a host for the Giants Radio Network. Lance, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing very well, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to, as you just set up, what should be an intriguing and exciting matchup for the third time between these two division rivals. So looking at the Giants, let's kind of just recap the whole season. You know, Brian Dable comes in. You got a quarterback in Daniel Jones who had shown flashes of brilliance, but fans were kind of on the fence about whether, you know, Daniel Jones was the franchise guy for the Giants. Well, under Brian Dable this year, he has just been a fantastic quarterback, and now you also have a healthy Saquon to throw in the mix. Just kind of talk about the the season that the Giants have had. Yeah, it's been quite interesting, to say the least, given the fact that I think if you ask most people who were covering this team or who have been watching from afar, I don't think most of us would have been banking on this team playing in the divisional round this weekend. So Brian Dable and the entire coaching staff, Matt, deserve a lot of credit because, as you mentioned, they tapped into a part of Daniel Jones that we have not seen consistently throughout the course of his career, and part of that is, A, he could not stay healthy. Well, we can put that to rest. This is now the first regular season he got through every single game. That was encouraging. And then the second factor is protecting the football. He had an issue with fumbles and interceptions. Well, that was pretty much completely removed because of what they were asking him to do. And I think it's very interesting, and it says a lot about the players on this roster as well as the coaching staff, how much this offense has evolved. You go back to the early stages of the season, you were talking about their fast start. Well, they leaned heavily on the rushing attack. It was the offensive line playing bully ball with Saquon Barkley. He was getting 30-some-odd runs a game. Then all of a sudden, they had some injuries, they had some hiccups along the way, and down the stretch of the regular season into this Vikings game last week, they now have leaned a little bit more on Daniel Jones's arm. And the passing game has flourished, whether it be Isaiah Hodgins, a wide receiver who was in Buffalo who came to the team after the bye. He's been a pleasant surprise. Richie James, who had some fumbles as a special teams return man against Seattle and the rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger. So it's really Daniel Jones is the centerpiece, but the entire offense has evolved and is a big reason why they're in this position. And Brian Dable, I think, has fed off of his skill set on the team as opposed to saying, hey, this is my system, this is what we're going to run, and everybody's just going to fit into it. He and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, they've been very creative in saying, hey, if we're going to run one thing against this opponent, it's because of the product of the opponent. Then the next week we may come back and 
we may do something completely different. And that's what you have to do with today's coaching in the NFL. You have to be fluid. And I think that's the best way to describe this offense right now. And, you know, talking about the offense, I think one factor of it that has really been surprising to see is the ability of Daniel Jones to run the football. Because, you know, if you go back to his time at Duke, he he showed it. But I feel like he's taken it to a whole nother level in the NFL. And and you look at Daniel Jones' stature, and you're like, man, that kid can't be very fast. But he is. 100%. And it's funny because I was just having a conversation with Daniel Bellinger before this interview here, and Bellinger told me when he was on the field with the Minnesota Vikings, he noticed that defenders were caught off guard. They were surprised how fast Daniel Jones was last Sunday. So I think that speaks volumes and taps right into what you're talking about, Matt. The fact that from a visual standpoint, and maybe on film, you know, they're like, okay, Daniel can run, and then all of a sudden you get up close and personal with him, and you realize, oh, okay, I better make sure that I'm well-disciplined in terms of my positioning. And To your point, he was a huge X-factor against the Vikings because I don't think they anticipated, A, that he was going to run as much as he did. And when the Vikings left the middle of the field open, instead of Daniel trying to press the envelope and throw the ball down the field or whatever it may be, he clearly capitalized and took advantage. And there's been games earlier this season when they've done that. They've leaned heavily on him as a runner. But then there's been other games where he hasn't been much of a focal point. So the fact that they brought that back against the Vikings, it was clearly something they sensed on film. And they're going to need that again against the Eagles this week because, to me, the X factor is you got to run the ball against that Eagles pass rush. If you put yourself in passing down third and longs, you're playing right into the hands of an Eagles pass rush that recorded 70 sacks this season. So that is going to be a must entering this weekend's game. They need Daniel Jones to take advantage of some of the openings on the ground as a complimentary piece to Saquon Barkley. And then, you know, you look at the you look at the matchup with the Eagles, their high-powered offense. The Giants are going to need a great performance from their defense. Talk about Jalen Smith and Julian Love, the, the years that they've had. And then, of course, on the edge, you have the rookie sensation in Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, there's a lot of players that you could point to, Matt, as you just mentioned, on the defensive side of the ball. It's really been a piecemeal project for Wink Martindale because he's had to deal with some injuries. Adoree Jackson, who just came back, their top corner was out for seven games with a knee injury. And you had Xavier McKinney, one of their up-and-coming safeties, missing time due to a hand injury in an accident over the bye week. So a guy like Julian Love has been huge because he took over the green dot, the communicator helmet with Wink Martindale while McKinney was sidelined. And Love is a guy that can play corner, can play safety, based on previous defensive coordinators and how they utilized him. So He's been a huge, versatile component on the back end, and he's a great leader who is really coming to his own. Jalen Smith is, to me, a beautiful microcosm of this team because they've brought guys up off the practice squad. They've brought guys off of waivers. They've brought in players off the street, and they find a way to identify the strengths and then tap into that. So Jalen Smith, he was with the Giants late last season, after he parted ways with the Cowboys, and then they brought him back this offseason, but you know, wasn't considered to be a focal point. And because of injuries and question marks in the middle of the defense, Smith all of a sudden, his role grew larger and larger. And you look at every single game, he's up there in tackles. And they just brought in Jared Davis off the Lions practice squad, him and Jalen Smith, two veteran middle linebackers that have helped slow down the run and have been guys that I call the cleanup guys, meaning if the defensive line's not going to bring him down, okay, you can at least rely on the second layer 
of your defense. And then you mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau. Here's another player where everything hasn't gone smooth sailing throughout the season. He suffers a knee injury in the preseason. He misses the early stages of the year. And then it took him a little bit till he got his footing underneath him. And then all of a sudden, every single game, he seems to be getting more and more comfortable. The return of Aziz Ojolari opposite him has helped immensely because now you've got to concentrate on both of them as well as the presence of Leonard Williams, who's a versatile defensive lineman. And I think all of these guys have fed off of one another because the Giants finished with over 40 sacks. And that looked at the beginning of the season to be a bit of a stretch because of all the injuries and the lack of proven commodities. But given those return has been critical because he does a lot of things that open things up for teammates. So he's not always getting the sack bat, but he's either drawing a penalty or a double team that I think has created some mismatches elsewhere. So all of the players you named, they've little by little put their stamp on this defense, and it's somewhat related to the roster overall. Hey, we know we don't have an overwhelming amount of talent. We're going to find guys. We're going to put them in spots where they can thrive, and that's a big reason why this team made the playoffs. Chat with Lance Meadow of SiriusXM and the Giants Radio Network. Lance, where's the health of the Giants heading into Philadelphia Saturday night? Well, they're probably in the best shape that they've been all season, Matt, to answer your question. It's kind of a bit laughable that we're talking about that that way because every single game throughout the season we were talking about somebody missing from the equation. The wide receivers went down. The defensive backs I mentioned, they lost guys up front. The offensive line, it's been a little bit of a game of musical chairs. They are actually in relatively good shape entering this game. I think the one question mark is Aziz Ojolari, who I referenced. He suffered a quad injury against the Vikings in the wild card round that did not get through the game. He missed really the bulk of the game. So he's been limited in practice. He says he's going to give it a go. I don't know how effective he'll be. So they're going to have to make up for probably him not being 100%. Leonard Williams is dealing with a neck issue, but he's been playing through that the last few weeks, so that's not necessarily alarming. And then Jason Pinnock, who is another defensive back safety, he suffered an abdomen injury and had to be hospitalized, but he all of a sudden, after a day of rest, was back at practice. So you know, those are the only three guys that have appeared on the injury report of note coming out of the Vikings game. And they're all going to, or at least as expected, to be in uniform. So, once again, I circle back to all things considered this late in the season. I don't think the Giants could have asked to be in a better position health-wise. As we look towards the matchup, what's the biggest X factor for the Giants, and then what are the keys to victory if they want to take down Philly? Well, on offense, it goes back to what I was hinting earlier, Matt. It's got to be the run game. You cannot go into Philadelphia and expect to put Daniel Jones in a position where he's going to put the ball in the air 40-some-odd times. That is a recipe for disaster, not success. Because the Eagles are going to pin their ears back, and we know they've got about eight guys deep on that defensive line. you got four guys that have double-digit sacks this season. It's sickening. It really is. They have guys who come in as rotational players that can start for the 31 other teams in the NFL. That's how rich that defense is. So you don't want to put Daniel Jones in a position where he has to play catch-up and constantly air it out, which means they got to run the ball with Saquon and they need to use Daniel's legs. That's the way you wear down the Eagles' defense, you sustain drives, and you put the Eagles in a position where they have to defend all angles of the field. On the defensive side of the ball, they have to do the opposite. They have to stop the run because whether or not Jalen Hurts is fully healthy remains to be seen with the shoulder injury, but I find it hard to believe that they're not going to look to him to run the ball because he's such a dynamic player. And when you have to account for Jalen Hurts running the ball, it opens up the door 
for Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. You've got to have a good tackling game. We were talking about Jalen Smith, and we were talking about Jared Davis. Those linebackers need to be in position to tackle because if those running backs get to the second level, that's when a four-yard run turns into a 15-yard run. And the Giants, Matt, got killed by that in the Week 14 game at MetLife Stadium. The Eagles ran for over 250 rushing yards. That happens again. This is going to be a very long night for the Giants. So you got to run the ball on offense, and you have to stop the run on defense. Regardless of what happens in this game, is, is the feeling around New York that the, the Giants are, are on their way back? 100%. And I talk with Giants fans on a daily basis on my call-in show. And the conversation, when you were asking Matt describe this season earlier in the conversation, I feel like I've gone through five years covering this team this year because so much has happened and evolved. But earlier in the season, I think the expectations were extremely low. It's a rebuilding year, a new coaching staff, a lot of young guys. Hey, if they can hover around 500, they can have some meaningful games late down the season. Perfect. Fans would welcome that. Then, all of a sudden, they get into the playoffs. Now the conversation is tilted. Well, maybe this is one of the most dangerous teams still alive. They're going up against a familiar team they know well, who they played close in Week 18, even though they played a lot of their reserves. So, yeah, I think if you took the pulse of Giants fans right now, they would tell you this team is absolutely back. But not to be a Debbie Downer, but listen, you it being in New Orleans looking at the Saints, and you've seen this with all other teams in the NFL. Just because you have one good season doesn't mean you come back the next year and everything is duplicated. So right. you've got to be careful when you ask me, well, are they back? Yeah, they're back right now. But if they're going to sustain this, they have to continue to draft well. Daniel Jones has to continue to stay healthy and evolve as a quarterback. And they need to continue to add more talent to this roster. So there's a bit of a caveat, Matt, to your question where, yes, they have turned the corner. But now the key is how do you go about maintaining that? Lance Meadow of the Giants Radio Network joining us here on the Game Hotline. Lance, appreciate your time as always. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you down the line. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure being on, and thanks so much for having me on to break down some exciting football here down the stretch. Appreciate it. And there he goes, Lance Meadow of the Giants Radio Network. Tune in tonight as the undefeated LSU women's basketball team takes on Arkansas in the PMAC. Pre-game begins at 7.30, and tip is set for 8. And you can listen to all the action right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a time out, wrap up today's show right after this, right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, LSU Arkansas getting ready to tip off at 730 right here on our airways. Pre-game at 730, I should say. Tip-off is set for 8, and we're going to preview that game here very quickly. But before we do that, James, there is a rumor, and we've talked about it earlier in the show, but I just I have to bring it back up because it's so intriguing. Sean Payton wants $20 million a year to coach an NFL team. That's insane. 
This is a high price, but you got to, I mean, like we had talked about before, dude's one of the top coaches, so he should be get paid like one of the top coaches. It's not like the coaching gets counted towards the cap space. I mean, that's fair, but I just, how far off of that, I mean, that's, that's where Bill Belichick is. Belichick's at 20. But the next closest is Pete Carroll at 15. I just feel like that is so... That's wild to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Sean Payton. But is Sean Payton really on Bill Belichick's level? I mean, we've regarded him for a while as a top three coach, have we not? He's always in the discussion for being coach of the year, yet never wins it, because they always give it to somebody else that has their team do good that year. But to me, yeah, I would definitely consider it. Yeah, I'd, I'd put them in the 20 range. And then I saw another rumor that said the Saints have changed their trade value. They now want two firsts for Sean Payton. Hey, you got three or four teams bidding. Hey, if someone bites on it, yeah, I, I'd take two firsts. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we all? So then at that point, it's like, does Carolina have to pay for three firsts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your next three first and David Putney. I, I'm, I'm taking it all from Carolina. This man wants David Putney. And look, it's no hard feelings to Carolina. But if, if, if you've got to see him twice if a year. If he's going to stay in the division, you're going to have to pay extra. That's just, that's just the way it works. If, if, we were taking some, if the Saints were taking somebody from Carolina, would they not do the same? Correct. I mean, that's just how it is. If, if you're going to have to see him twice a year, you're going to have to pay more to get him. But all right, let's look at LSU and Arkansas. Kim Mulkey's Tigers, 18-0. 10-0 inside the PMAC. Number three in the country. Hosting a 17-3 squad who has yet to lose on the road yet, James. They're 17-3, 5-0 away from home. They're winners of their last four in the SEC. Their last loss coming to LSU. 69-45. On December the 29th, so about three weeks ago. Yeah. The, I would I would anticipate this matchup to be closer. It's going to be closer. It's going to be a lot closer than last time. And, and and I don't I don't want this to come off as, you know, I have fully bought into what LSU is doing. It's funny because I had bought into what Kim Mulkey was doing last year. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> of course. Because I, I had said that Kim Mulkey was probably going to be the first catch – coach of all the new ones to win a national championship first. Can anybody stop this team? Angel Reese. I don't know how I don't know how you slow her down. She's put up a double double every game. Every single game this season. Every single one. Like what who's to say it's not nineteen tonight? Nineteen in a row. I just because like let's say you even stop Angel Reese. Who else you gotta worry about? Oh I don't know. Uh, maybe Alexis Morris. Their closest win was by eight to Southeastern. The average margin of victory is 18, almost 19. That's insane. That is ridiculous numbers. I just, and the Southeastern game, Kim Mulkey still talks about it. They were just way off. 
It was right there after Christmas. It, it was right there after the Thanksgiving holiday. They were just rattled, not on the same page, and, and Southeastern almost caught them. But now you, you've seen it since then. They beat Tulane by 13. They beat Lamar by 40. They beat Montana State by almost 40. They beat Oregon State by 30. You beat Arkansas by 24. Vandy, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Missouri. Now you just embarrassed Auburn on Sunday. I just don't. I just don't know how you slow this group down. And the only team that I could see doing it is going to be South Carolina on February the 12th. That game is going to be one for the ages in Columbia. But I would not be surprised, James, if those two teams are sitting at 24-0 and when you walk into that game. I wouldn't be shocked either. Uh, I could definitely see South Carolina winning their next six as well. Or, so, or, getting, or getting to 24-0 and as well. So then we have an, a battle of the unbeatens. So we're in agreement that, uh, that LSU wins tonight. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be that 24-point margin of victory like it was last time. I could see it being in in the low teens. I, I could see it 13, 14. But it, it ends up being in favor of the Tigers. We'll recap it all tomorrow as well as Jake's Takes with our guy Jake Crane of Crane and & Company and a brand new segment that we're going to start tomorrow with our guy Ben Upton from 11.7 over there at Apollo HOU. We're going to talk college baseball each Friday with Ben throughout the college baseball season. We'll kick that off tomorrow by previewing LSU, UL, McNeese, and some other big names in college baseball. And uh, we will also do a preview of the NFL matchups this weekend. There are plenty of good ones to get to, so we will break it all down for you and much more right here on Crunch Time. I want to take this opportunity to thank Gino Camarelli and Lance Meadow for joining us. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we will see you tomorrow right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Let's turn it over to Jim Gazzolo and the McNeese Coaches Show.